This morning, we're continuing our sermon series, The Gospel According to Jacob, and our scripture reading is Genesis 27, 41 through chapter 28, verse 9. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Well, hey, uh, good morning. <clears throat> good to be with you this morning. Uh, my name's Nate, if I haven't met you yet. Uh, so we've been in a series looking at the life of Jacob. And we've said this, this series is really about uh, giving hope. Uh, we've said each week that Jacob is a profoundly, deeply broken person, and by the end of his life, he's completely different. He's transformed. And one of the things that means is that in Christianity, the Bible actually offers something that no other religion offers. It offers grace. That, that grace is actually this thing that can change you from the inside out. And whether or not you realize it, you need it. Um, You've got doubts. Uh, You have questions. Uh, You're wandering. You need grace. And today, Jacob's life, because of all of the choices he's made and those around him have made, it's completely broken. It's completely broke down. And some of you here this morning, you know what that feels like. Some of us right now, we feel this in certain aspects of our life. And listen, maybe this morning you're in a season of life in which things are actually going pretty well. That's wonderful. But you probably know that there's going to be moments down the road in which your life is going to be full of discord, full of brokenness. 
And the question is, when you're at that point, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? And let me say this, in those moments, there are a lot of things you could do, and not all of them are bad per se, but what we're going to see here in this short passage is simply this, you need a blessing to cling to. You need a blessing to surrender to that can override all of your sin and all of your failures. So, three things this morning. The reality of our brokenness, a blessing for our brokenness, and then lastly, the way through our brokenness. So let me pray and we'll, we'll step in. So, Father, what we, what we do not know, teach us. What we do not have, give us. And what we are not, kindly make us. For your Son's sake, amen. Well, firstly, the reality of our brokenness. Um, our passage begins, and it's a family that is experiencing a, what I would almost say, a nuclear fallout. Uh, it is an utter brokenness. Last week, we saw Jacob deceive his older brother Esau, dress up like him, and go into his father's tent and steal the blessing. This was the blessing of the firstborn. It was the most important blessing of the day. It was the one that gave honor and privilege to one son. And he gets it. But the result Esau is furious. He is so upset. At the end of 41, this is what Esau is saying to himself. The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. We see here a faint echo of an earlier passage in Genesis where two other brothers, Cain and Abel, Cain gets jealous and with murderous intent kills him. And here we see this murderous intent again happening here. But Rebecca hears about Esau's intent, his desire to kill Jacob. And so she tells Jacob, Jacob, you're going to have to go to my brother's house, Laban, much further away from here. But even as she says this, there's a mix of distortion in verse 45, she says, you need to go there until he, your brother, forgets what you have done to him. I need to pause here for a moment. Um, last week, we saw, actually, Rebecca was like the chief strategy maker in this whole plot. She was the one who actually said, hey, do this, do that, dress up like him, I'll make this. Uh, and yet, right here, what does she say? Until what you've done. Rebecca's not honest she should have said what I conceived and put into action and both of us have done to him. And it's worth noting here that Rebecca, in the midst of all of her deception, later on is actually not memorialized in the book of Genesis. It's actually interesting, later on her nurse will die and the book of Genesis, the narrator will memorialize her, but not Rebecca. And there's also something that's a tragic irony here, because in the midst of telling her son that she's going to go, he's going to go away for a while, 
which suggests just a short time, a few days, what she doesn't know is it'll be 20 years before he ever returns. And she will never see her favorite son again. There is so much brokenness here. So many relationships in discord. And here's the situation. Each member of the family, in some degree, is at fault. Jacob deceives Esau. Esau, in response, wants to kill his brother. Isaac and Rebekah, they're not on the same page in their marriage. Jacob is the favorite son of Rebekah. And of course, Isaac's favorite son is Esau. There is so much wrong here. There is so much brokenness. And this passage simply lays out the reality of it. It doesn't sugarcoat it. There is a sense in which there are consequences to our sin and our failures. There is no sugarcoating here. At the center of it all, Jacob needs to leave his home, the place where his identity is, the place where he's understood his provision, his protection, his family, everything he has relied upon since he can remember. And he's going to have to leave it all behind. Listen, Jacob's story is not altogether unlike our story. Uh, For some of us, uh, we began marriage with high hopes, and now there's just bitterness and division. For others, we've experienced just the dysfunction of a family that's been torn to pieces for a variety of reasons. In other words, us, there are friendships in the past three years that we have lost. For others, it's a son or daughter that makes choices that, relieve, that, that leaves a relationship with parents in disarray. In some respects, all of us can relate to this. We've made choices that have resulted in a downward spiral in our life. And we've seen and we've felt that these have consequences. We know them. But see, in Jacob's story and in our story, there's actually a bigger story going on. It goes back to the opening pages of Genesis. In the beginning, there's this good God who created the world, who loved us, and then our forebears rebelled, and everything fell into disarray. You see, the Bible says actually it goes all the way back. All the brokenness sin actually goes back to that point. And what's interesting, at the end of Genesis 3, the final lines speak about Adam and Eve being sent out of the garden, out of their home, out of the presence of God, They're sent packing. And the question is, will they ever get back? You see, just as Jacob is needing to leave home because of brokenness and sin, 
the storyline of Scripture is actually, that is true for all of us. We are, we are not home. And so we're left with, what do we do? Where do we go? In the midst of the fallout, in which we understand we don't have the resources to put our lives back together. Where do we run to? Well, secondly, we see in this passage there's a blessing for our brokenness. And this is one of the most interesting pieces of this story. Because in verses 3 and 4, Isaac blesses Jacob. Look at what, what he says. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, so you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. You know, last week we saw that when Jacob stole the blessing from Esau, and Isaac presented a blessing over Jacob, it was primarily talking about the next man up in the patriarchal succession. But notice this one explicitly links the blessing to Abraham. And one of the things we talked about last couple weeks is that in the storyline of Genesis, the first 11 chapters are this nuclear fallout of sin and failure in the world. And then in chapter 12, there's this pivotal moment where God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a covenant with Abraham. I'm going to bless him and make him a blessing to all nations. And what we're seeing here is that God's plan to heal the world is through Abraham. That's the blessing. And right here, just as the Abrahamic blessing had passed to Isaac, so now it passes to Jacob. A blessing that he might become a community of people to return someday to this land and inherit it. And here's what's most striking is this blessing happens right here, in the midst of all the brokenness and sin. Right here. It doesn't come around, the blessing does not come when all the, when, when all the relationships are mended. The blessing does not come when Jacob finally turns his life around. The blessing comes in the midst of the sin and the failure right here of his family. And this is central to the scriptures. It's central to the book of Genesis. And here's the point. Amidst our sin and amidst all of our failings, God does not first send commandments. Amidst our sin and our brokenness, God does not first send a self-help book. What does he send? He sends a blessing, or another way to say it, a promise. A promise of hope that will override all the sin and all the failure. That's what God gives And I don't want you to miss this, that there are two things about God's character that are absolutely 
central to this promise. Firstly, it shows God's grace. It shows his grace. We say that word a lot, but what do we mean by it? What does it even mean? Well, let's go to the expert, Bono, lead singer of U2. A while back in an interview, he summarized it this way. He said this, You see, at the center of all religions is the idea of karma. You know, what you put out comes back to you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, or in physics, in physical law, every action is met by an equal or, op- or an opposite one. It is clear to me that karma is at the very heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. And yet, along comes this idea called grace to upend all that as you reap, so you will sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of our actions, which in my case is very good news indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. Did you catch that? Grace is this interruption that interrupts all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our failures, and meets us right there. Not because we deserved it. You see, oftentimes, when we're in the midst of our failures and our sins, we most often think that God is through with us. We think, okay, well, this is the last time. I've got no hope. But what we see here is this promise and this blessing is not given because Jacob or any other family merits or deserves it. He doesn't. And yet God gives it. But secondly, this shows God's power. There's, um, in verse 3, the very beginning, uh, Isaac calls God the Almighty. And it means that he has the resources to do what he wants to do. He has the power. And that means, and this is significant, amidst all of our sin and brokenness and failure, whatever that is, It means he's big enough to handle it. It means it doesn't overwhelm him. And that's important because some of us, we're in a spot where our choices and the consequences feel crushing and the fallout is great. And we're asking this question, we're wondering, Is God big enough to deal with this? You see, there are two important questions that get answered here whenever we're faced with our failures and our sins. The first is, is God willing to meet us in our sin and failure and bring blessing? And the second, is God able to meet us in our sin and failure and bring blessing? And the answer to both is yes. It's a resounding yes. So lastly, the way through our brokenness, or another way of saying it, how do you get it? Where do you go? There's actually something interesting in this passage. There's kind of, um, you probably caught it while it was being read. There's kind of this conversation around who's Jacob going to marry and a little bit of disdain for who Esau has married And these two things exemplify something 
about how we get the blessing. And the first is this. If you want to get the blessing, you've got to see clearly. You've got to see clearly. In, in Genesis 28.8, it says that Esau realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. Now, just to note here, and I'll say this again later, but like, marrying the Canaanite women was not an issue of ethnicity or race or interracial marriage. It was an issue of worship. The Canaanites worshipped a different god. And so Esau realizes that his dad is not pleased that, that he's married these women. And so he goes to Ishmael, and he marries the daughter of Ishmael. Now here's what's interesting, is this, is he doesn't do that out of obedience to God. He does it out of rivalry to his brother. Because he sees that Isaac has given the blessing to Jacob, and he wants to please his dad. And here's what's interesting. Esau is this tragic character who is still holding out for the blessing of his father, and he doesn't realize what he needs most is the blessing of God. Now, here's what this means for you and me. We think if we could just have a word outside of ourselves, perhaps it's a father, perhaps it's a spouse, if they could just bless us then in the midst of our sin and our failure, we'd be all good. Or put it another way, we oftentimes think, if I could have the blessing of this degree or this achievement, if I could have that certificate that could tell me that I'm somebody, then that could cover up my sin and my failure. Or to put it another way, as long as I have then I'm good. Then I'm blessed. And friends, what this passage is showing us through the eyes of Esau is that what you need most is not the blessing of the Father, but the blessing of God that comes through Jacob. You've got to see this clearly. You see, years later, the Gospel of Matthew would open up, and the first line is this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham. And why that is so significant is because do you remember Genesis 12? The blessing of Abraham was through him. All the nations would be blessed. As the gospel of Matthew opens, what is, what is he saying? He's saying this, it's come. The fulfillment is come, and it's in Jesus. He's the one who has come to heal the world. And what does he do? He comes. He suffers. He comes to a world marked by division and rivalry and hatred and unbelief, and yet he blesses, he forgives, he heals, and ultimately he goes to the cross, takes upon himself the curse in order to give us the blessing that's the blessing that overrides all of our sins and all of our failures. It's right there. That's the blessing. Listen, sometimes in our cultural moment, we say, that seems too simple. Or we might say, that's too narrow. 
But you've got to see clearly. The scriptures are clearly pointing. This is the one who overrides all your sin and your failure. And it means trusting and relying on him. Do you know him? Are you relying on him? He's the one who embodies grace and truth and can override all of your failures and all of your sins. But secondly, we've got to learn to surrender fully. Um, In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 28, Jacob is sent away. And the reason is this, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And he told him to arise, go to Padanam Aram, and to marry someone in his mother's family, mother's side. Again, I said this, this is an interracial marriage issue. This is rather an issue based on worship. And Jacob would have to learn this, but the original audience is there hearing this in the book of Genesis. You know who it was? It was the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob, who were about ready to go into the land. And they needed to understand, they needed to fully surrender to God. To not, to not be consumed by the culture around them, but to remain loyal to God who had blessed them. In other words, um, here's the thing. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. The worship of God in Christ is the most important and the most difficult thing that Christians do. Because it is so difficult, we are always ready to go for something easier. Now, when you hear that, when you think worship, you might think, we just sang some songs. It's not that hard. (laughs) But, But worship there is talking about all of your life, giving it over to Him, fully surrendering. Now, check this. It's, it's not in order to get the blessing, but it's in light of the blessing that you give it all to him, that you cling to him. Eric Little, some of you may know him. He was the um, Olympian who, because the 100-meter dash, which was his best race, uh, he gave it up because it was going to happen. The qualifying he was on a Sunday. This is back in the 1920s, long time ago. And Instead, he ran the 400-meter dash, and he got the gold medal there. So that was great, right? But he ended up later on, and he did this all because of his, his faith in Christ. He ends up in, in China as a missionary. And he talked about how he would meet with people, and he'd say, this is, these, are, these are my questions for following Christ. Two of them, he said this, have you, heard, have you learned to hear God's voice saying, this is the way, walk in it? it In other words, he's saying, have you learned to obey? The second was this. If I know something to be true, am I prepared to follow it even though it is contrary to what I want? In other words, will I follow it if it means, even if I'm laughed at by friend or foe, Will I follow it even if it means personal financial loss or some other kind of hardship? And what, what Eric Little was getting at was this. When you understand the grace of God in Christ, when you understand that it cost him everything, 
then the only response, the only response out of gratitude is to offer everything back to him. Redeemer City, the blessing that overrides your failures and my failures, your sin and my sin, is found in Christ. Trust Him. Surrender to Him. No matter what, surrender to Him. Because He is really all we need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, this morning for the story of Jacob that you are willing, that you are willing to meet us in the midst of our sin and brokenness and that you are, are able to. We pray this morning you would help us with our unbelief when we doubt, we wonder if you are still there, if you are still favorable toward us. When we doubt if you're able to actually overcome the choices we've made, or would you change us and transform us to be a people that grow in surrendering fully to you? Not, not because it somehow earns any merit from you, but in light of the radical grace and the cost of your son, would you help us to fully surrender to you in all things? Amen.